right, welcome today uh, to the uh, this episode of uh, We Are Indigenous podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Kennedy, your host. Um, and we have some special guests today with us today uh, from Vancouver. Um, some uh, Juno-nominated uh, uh, artists, the, the hip-hop duo uh, Snotty Nose Rezquez. We have Young D and Young Tribes. I get the names right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, just kind of start us off. Can you uh, share a little bit about, you know, who you guys are? You know, what you do in terms of, like, hip-hop, anything like that? Just, so that, you know, if you have any um, new fans or, or people that are just kind of want to know a little bit more about you, then we can... Go from there. Yeah, so <laughs> me and Travs, we both grew up in the, the Heisla Nation. Yeah. That's in northwest BC. Uh, yeah, like around the Prince Rupert Terrace area. We're in the, the inlet coast. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we legit grew up like five minutes away from each other. Yeah. And like both of our moms and dads are like just open arms. Yeah. Because like we've been childhood friends. Okay, so, so you guys since we were snotty nose red kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's so. awesome. Kind of like a lot of like indigenous communities, like our ours was really tight knit, yeah. and um, we've been like writing music since we were in elementary school, you know. So we've been writing writing music, writing songs, writing poetry, stuff like that. We've always been writers. Like our people are traditionally storytellers, mm -hmm. so that's what that's kind of the background that we come from as well. Yeah. And hip hop and like our indigenous cultures kind of go hand in hand, so. Um, it was very natural for us to fall into like the lead of being MCs and being storytellers for our people. Yeah. And we, we, when we grew up, we, there wasn't a whole lot of like um, mentors and stuff for us to look up to outside of our community in terms of like indigenous hip hop artists and stuff like that. Because not because they weren't there, but because we weren't exposed to them. Mm -hmm. There was no like social media. There wasn't anything like that yeah. for us to like look at people outside of our community. So as we got older, we started seeing like there was like Winnipeg's most. Uh, Jesus, Hellenbeck, all those kind of guys that are out there doing their thing. And we realized, oh, shit, we can actually do this as a career, you know? Yeah. So for you guys growing up, what were, uh, were you guys always into hip-hop at a young age? Yeah, it was for like kind sure, of the music yeah. genre you kind of fell yeah, into. Yeah, definitely. So who were they, who would be artists that you guys looked up to, like in terms of the hip-hop rap music game and anything like that? Yeah. Well, like for me, the first album that I ever got was the Eminem show. Yeah. I was like 10 years old. I had to beg my mom to get it. Yeah. But... It was definitely Eminem. Uh, I always hung around guys that were older than me, so I'd, I'd be like 12 years old, hanging out with 15, 17 year olds, yeah. right? And they all bumped like Tupac, Biggie. Yep. So yeah, I, we grew up heavy on the 90s, and during high school in like the 2000s, um, I would say a lot of Southern hip hop. Yeah, that I loved in the later years for sure. Yeah, and like uh, Atlanta in particularly. Yeah, yeah, like. Like I, I remember bumping a lot of Ti, like Young Jeezy, yeah. Outkast, Outkast, and even like Texas too, right? Yeah. Slim Thug, yeah, Slim Thug, Paul Wall, all those guys. Mike Jones, <laughs> Mike Jones. Who? Who? Do you still remember the number? Uh, uh, no, I don't. I actually seen someone just comment that on like a Facebook thread. Like I his think I remember it. Two eight one. Three three oh eight zero zero four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit my Jones up on the low. <laughs> no, that's awesome because it's like it's because you kind of talked about it. like you didn't really know like there's not, and that's the thing I really like about you guys because I think for the most part, uh, growing up when you would hear like indigenous or first nation hip hop guys, they like like some of them weren't the best and it was kind of more of like just like the basic like my name is uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't really like oh yeah it's like because influence wise like hip hop is like for me it was always the states like I grew up 
Uh, I was a border kid, so I grew up on the Canadian-U.S. border. Uh, my dad, like, grew up in Detroit. He worked in Detroit his entire life. So I was always influenced by, like, American culture, right? And so for me, it was, like, growing up, it was, like, Eminem, right? Yeah. And then uh, just, like, Tupac Biggie. And, like, you had older cousins, so, like, um, <laughs> my first album, though, wasn't a hip-hop album, but I remember I did have to beg my mom for it. It was a... <laughs> it was TLC, Crazy oh, Sexy yeah. Cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, they got yeah. like it a little bit. But for me, it was like always kind of that influence. And even for who I am today, it's like I'm still really influenced by all those guys. And of course. that's cool that you brought up like the, the uh, Atlanta hip hop and Southern hip hop. Because like I just seen this, uh, I just remember that video. Uh, I just, you know, everything floats on Facebook. They showed that video when uh, I think it was the Source Awards or whatever, when Outkast won like new artists of the year um and everyone booed them like they were booing them because southern hip-hop wasn't even like a thing when yeah. Outkast first came out and like andre 3000 like that's the thing people don't realize how good andre 3000 oh, is right because he's not around anymore like he's, an he's insane he is an icon but he went on stage and he everyone was kind of booing him and he's like he's like all right he's like if this is how you guys want to be like you guys don't know about about the self like you're about to find out and and guys and from like Atlanta say like that was like the moment that like changed for them to be like, oh yeah we're on the map now and you just think of all the artists and like the history now behind it and that's a kind of cool thing for me of like Apple Music is like, like the curated playlist yeah. so there's like one it's this Atlanta hip hop playlist yeah and I yeah wasn't that the was that the same award show when he was like the South the South got something to say yeah that's that one? one that's yeah. the one I, I screwed up the South got something to say yeah, yeah that was the one. And it's just like, for me, it's like, yeah, I think that's cool. Like, but that's like hip hop, right? You got kind of yeah. same influence, right? And it's such like a thing that's so, it belongs to like North America, right? Yeah. For the most part, where totally. it's history. Yeah. So a little bit more kind of your influences. Uh, what was it kind of like growing up? What what sorry? What was the name of the, the community you guys are from? We're from the Heisler Nation. The Heisler Nation. Yeah, okay. Kidmat Village. So okay. So what was it like growing up in that area for you guys? Was it, you know upbringing wise was you know yeah it was good, yeah it was good it yeah. was good as far as like um like what the 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 conception of like first nations reservations are in canada it was a really good reservation like there's not not a whole lot of people that are in like a whole lot of poverty or anything like that it was good for us growing up and um we had a lot of family members that supported us through whatever the hell we did through it was basketball soccer uh hip-hop mm -hmm traveling whatever like like the like when someone has to do something the community comes together and makes sure that they get that done that they go and do what they have to do so like this the community supported us throughout uh, we grew up playing basketball together and our community is like a really big basketball community so if we ever had to go to a tournament there'd be like fundraisers put on by the community to make sure that we get to these tournaments stuff like that so uh, for us growing up it was always good like a lot of a lot of support within our community yeah and also on top of that like like uh, the territory that we're on, <clears throat> we're, we're on the west coast of, of BC, on nor nor northwest coast, and um, and in our backyard we have like the ocean, we have the river, and we have like a massive forest surrounding us where we can hunt from our lands, we can fish from our lands, we can berry pick from our lands. So I grew up with the, like the background of uh, being able to survive off our lands. My dad's a hunter; he gets up every morning. He's retired now, so that's what he does like pretty much every day, and. Um, my mom does like everything that she has to do in the smokehouse, stuff like that, whenever we, and it's Ulican season time now too, so for us as high as the people, Ulicans, do you know what those are? Mm. They're like a little fish that was like, it's like in all of our rivers and it's a staple for, for our people on the northwest coast there. 
and um, they're being harvested right now as we speak. So like they're up the Nass River right now, and they'll be up the Kitlo pretty soon. Um, and that that's a big time. I'm, I might be going home for that if I have time at the end of this month to go and harvest with them and stuff like that. But that's kind of like like the kind of like community that we were raised in. So it was like so the big industry out there is would it be fishing? Was it like a lot of like, a lot of commercial fishing right now? Or you say your dad's retired? Um, so yeah. Kind of well, the industry out there is kind of like. There's a lot going on. Like there was uh, Methanex, Uricane, Alcan, which are like industries that came into our community that the the white community or the non-indigenous community was built off of. Yeah. So like like the there's a town like 10 minutes outside of our reservation, mm -hmm. which is called called Kitimat as well. And um, the town has been built on this this aluminum smelter. You guys know of Alcan, right? Like aluminum foil, Alcan. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's like an, it's like one of the biggest um, aluminum smelters in the world, and um, our community is like raised around industry. So right now we're actually like in a battle of, uh, not in a battle, like um, our community has partnered with LNG Canada, which has really like put us in a divide out there trying to figure out um, not, not where we stand, but like who's standing with us on the fight against um, industry coming through our communities and, and like forcing us to believe that the only way out of poverty is through the destruction of our lands, which is not true. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, like coming from an industry-built community, it's hard for us to, um, to, yeah, it's it's weird. And yeah, like with the industry being like the backbone of Kitimat, uh, it's really easy to get like that small town mentality to like, oh, once I graduate high school, I gotta work. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go work at this plant or try to get a job at this plant. And a lot of people, they get too comfortable you know that's their comfort zone and they don't want to leave their comfort zone because that town is all they know yeah. like labor labor works the only option yeah which is not true and we're trying to like break that that that, that mentality that state of mind you know and so for you guys uh what was it that made you guys like i don't want to just be at home in the labor town like was like you know was it parents pushing you into like you know further education actually or yeah. other things it's or weird because our, my, my dad was a tradesman. He's a Red Seal uh, heavy-duty mechanic. So I was actually going to school and went there and went to school for his audio and engineering program in Vancouver. Okay. And he took that program, and I was in school at the same time do, taking my first year of mechanics. And yep. before that, I worked on um, a site in Kitimat, which was like they were like prepping for like uh, um, like the buildup of LNG or whatever. I was young. And I worked there for a while, and I got maybe four years of like service work in there. And then I went to school to be a mechanic, and this is around the time that he he went to school for the audio and engineering thing. And then we made a mixtape, and it like yeah. took off. Yeah. And around that time, when I was going to school for that, I was like, "Fuck! I don't even know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to be a mechanic anymore." And this is kind of what like pushed us into the direction of being rappers. Like we already had like that mindset. I come from the line of land protectors, mm -hmm. and being able to put that kind of stuff on wax on record and have people like really resonate with what we were saying and come together for a movement that we're a yeah. part of. It really like changed my way of thinking and, and like my way of like being. Yeah. And I realized, you know what? I don't have to be, I don't have to work for the man. I can do my own thing. And that's kind of like what we're trying to like yeah. portray now. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was like when I graduated high school, my mom was just like, I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told your brother. You're either gonna get a job or you're gonna keep going to school. You're not gonna sit around the house and do fuck all. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to go to work. I'm gonna go to school, you know. <laughs> so, so, and then for you, was it just you always had like the love of music, and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna. Yeah, yeah definitely. Gonna uh, you can actually read in my elementary book in grade seven. Yeah. It's like, what do you want to do after high school? 
I wrote, I want to go to university and play college ball or make a living off making music. Yeah. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Like and then, yeah, it was like 2015 when I took that program. Mm -hmm. And then right after we finished that program, we just started working on our first album. So your first album was a self-titled uh, album. Second one, uh, The Average Savage. What was it, the, the self-titled album? Was that the mixtape? Uh, that was, no, that was our first LP. Okay. The mixtape was before that, and it was called The Young Inexperience. Your music and the lyrics is like, there's a lot of like politically, you know, charged themes to it. Um, and then just speaking with a, a person that has worked with you guys previously, and just, you know, he kind of gave me a broad overview of like, First Nation people in BC, and for for me, it's really fascinating to like see is that, you know, you guys are unseated, right? Um, and there's with that, you guys almost have like so much more political sway than yeah. what other, you know. So we got uh, title and yeah, and title to like, our uh, territory. <laughs> Colin, uh, Colin Van Lee, yeah. who's worked with you guys before and did, worked with you guys and making music videos. He talks about his uh, this elder he has, his elder Jerry. And he'll be like, they'll be driving and like they'll be at a crosswalk, and he's like, white people be like walking across a little bit slower than he's like, he's like, tell these white people get out of the way, we're the landowners and all this stuff. <laughs> so, for for me, it's 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 cool to see because we don't like we you know we'll have the protests and all that stuff, but it it out there it seems like you guys actually really get your say. And yeah. What, and so, growing up, you kind of have you guys always had that kind of engraved in you, like that idea of like we need to like always fight for our sovereignty and yeah. like and like we are the landowner. So when things like this, like you talked about, like the extracting resources for you guys, like no, we know that like, there's life more than this. Yeah. So this is our duty to do this, right? Yeah, I mean, um, so like I said, I come from a line of land protectors, right? So yeah. my uncle Gerald, Gerald Amos, he was one of the ones who uh, led the way in protecting the Great Bear, Great Bear Rainforest, which is the Kilo. And um, without the work that he put in with the people that he worked with, that wouldn't that would have been all logged. Like that that territory is saved because of people that a line of people that I come from, mm -hmm. and the family that I come from. And um, a while back, my, my uncle Morris, like he he was um, defending our our hereditary chiefs, and in a case where they were they were fighting for their rights and title as um, hereditary leaders of our of our community. And like those those kind of people like really influenced me into the way to, to the way that I believe and and the person that I am today, and without that I don't think like we would even be here with you right now. Like yeah. we would, we would have a different way of thinking. Like we would just be like sheep, like yeah. like like the rest, not like the rest, but like like some people. Yeah. And also like um, our our territories are like you said they're unceded, and uh, we are the 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 rights and title holders of those lands so um like you said the pipeline that's coming through right now that's coming through and there's no consent from the hereditary leaders there's there's consent from band councils but band councils are only controlled of uh reservations which are not even in line with like the pipeline that's coming through those communities which is like super super weird but like yeah. with that said being like in the unceded territories and us talking about what we talk about, we got a whole lot of people that rally behind us and a whole lot of people that rally behind um, the movements that they're already fighting for. Yeah. So can you go a little bit, talk a little bit more about that? Uh, you said that, because kind of, we kind of have that thing here with like there's, uh, you got the hereditary chiefs and then yeah. the chief and council, right, which is all falls under Indian Act. And over here we have, uh, uh, you know, with Haudenosaunee people, we have Longhouse and there's like the whole system of hereditary chiefs and yeah. clan mothers and all that. And it does divide communities. So you said, so where you guys live, is it a, 
First Nation like reserve, or yeah. is there a chief and council there then yeah, too? Totally. But so, but it, does it? There is. Is there a divide even in the community with like? Well, some people go with chief and council. Say some people go with the hereditary chief. Yeah, totally. Or do they work like together? Um, like it's like throughout communities through BC, it's it seems to me like for the most part, um, it seems like they have different beliefs. Like chief and council is more of a like a colonial mindset and a business mindset in terms of, uh, especially where we come from, like they're trying to get LNG to come through our community, mm -hmm. which is not in the best interest of our people and future generations. It's in, it's in the interest of people today, like right now, yeah. in terms of like the society that we live in, to get cash right now, yeah. get paid out. So um, they're not looking for, for the interest of our people that are like seven generations down the line because if that pipeline comes through our community, like there's like a lot of risk and like us losing everything that we have. And for us to be unseated, we need to be able to survive off of our lands because once we can't survive off of our lands, those, those rights are forfeited to the Canadian government. So if we can't harvest fish, we can't harvest moose, we can't harvest deer, we can't harvest berries off of our lands, we can't drink the water off our lands, then we... Um, forfeit our unceded rights to those lands. That's no longer unceded. They, they have to take that land from us. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're like, we're fighting for right now. Yeah. And like, so I don't know about like, I can't speak for a lot of like all the communities and all like the, the chief and council versus like hereditary leaders. But I know in our community, especially in the past, it has been very divided to the point where our chief and council have taken our hereditary leaders to court and fighting for that or against that yeah to, to figure out who's the real leader of our community yeah and what what like what has that done to the communities itself um it's definitely like caused a lot of like tension and like yeah it's not it hasn't been good for sure like um it caused a lot of divide so this is like something like 10 years ago or something like that when that was going on but to me it's still there's still a lot of tension in our communities through um them bringing in like the, the LNG partnering with LNG Canada, and it's created a lot of like, like division and silence. It's really silencing the voices like mine and Darren's, mm -hmm. and people that are not like uh, pro LNG because we're not pro LNG. Mm -hmm. But there's not a whole lot. They don't leave the people that are pro LNG don't leave a whole lot of room for debate, or for meaningful debate against against it because there's so there's so many loud voices in our community right now that are for that. Yeah, and I feel like it's our job to speak for those that are silenced, mm -hmm. you know, like, and you'll really hear it on this upcoming album. Yeah. And like, there's a reason why we called it Trapline. You know, it's, it's like, ah, it's hard not to get frustrated talking about this because it just hits so, like, so close to home. But, you know, we are never shy about sharing our political views. Mm -hmm. You know, we've made songs for Standing Rock. We did one for like Tiny House Warriors to show our support. and use the platform that we have. And because this is happening in our backyard, people kind of looking at us like we're turning the other cheek when that's not the case. If anything, like it amplifies mm -hmm. our stance. But there's also a lot more to it than that. Like there's a lot, a lot of like, like there's a lot of, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but there's like a lot of, uh, like you gotta be careful what you say. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, yeah, we're we're gonna get our message out there yeah. for sure through the. Audience. Well, that's like the uh, a lot of it when it comes to talking about Indigenous and First Nation issues, right? It's like there's multi layers to it, and mm -hmm. there's a word yeah. I always use. It's complex, right? And then yeah, you're yeah, explaining yeah. it to people, you're just kind of like 
it, like you said, you just get that frustration in and you're almost just like, ah, it's just, it's just so complex. I don't even yeah. know how to yeah. fathom to speak on it because there's just so many different layers and things like that. Um, so for you guys, uh, what are what are your what are hopes or what is your message for young people like you know that idea of like you don't want them to be going towards which i agree like you don't want them to just become this small-minded like i'm oh, just gonna go to work at the plan or whatever but so what what would you want young people like what is their future envision for them uh for me like is to just like everybody's born with a gift you know what i mean like i truly believe that and it's up to the individual to figure out what that gift is. And once you figure out what it is, like run with it. And like don't look back. Don't don't settle. And also like um like we're like the seventh generation right now. And the youth that are coming up after us, like they're the seventh generation and I see a lot of like youth in communities that we visit, even in Ontario, all the way down to like the B C coast and the west coast of, of Canada. And all these kids uh, if they if there's anything that they have it's a voice and it's like really empowering to us and inspiring to us to go through these communities and see something that we never had growing up like something that wasn't there in us there's a fire inside of them and for them to be so young and to be so politically charged and so like uh, for their people for their lands like taking stands and doing protests um, against fish farms against pipeline stuff like that and these are their way of thinking it's not someone else putting that into their brains that or into their minds it's them literally like having that way of thinking and having that that power to them and seeing that really is like there's there's a future for our for our people that has nothing to do with like the Canadian government or this way of living which is like for us like like what we talked about industry mm -hmm. so like they're they're gonna find their way they're gonna figure out what they need to be so then for you guys, it was that idea of like using your gift. So uh, was the, when you went to school for the, the music, um, what, what was the move like to Vancouver? Like how far is Kitimat from Vancouver? Is that where you guys first went or were you guys somewhere It's like 1,600 kilometers. Yeah. A good 18 hour drive. Yeah? yeah. And so what was like that transition from home, community, family, everyone you knew growing up? Uh, did you guys move down together? Um, or was it separate? I moved first. I have I my partner lives in Vancouver. I've been with her for like five years now, yeah. and she's got to like uh, like the people that she surrounds herself with that I eventually surrounded myself with. They're really like powerful Native people, and um, uh, it wasn't until like I met her that I seen some we seen some uh, some Native performers. You know, JB the First Lady. I seen them perform at the the York Theater, and it was a sold out show. And I was like, wow, like. This is something that we could do. I got outside the theater at the end of that show, and I called Darren up, and he answered. And I was like, "Yo, I just seen um, some natives performing at this theater in Vancouver. It was a sold-out show." I was like, "We gotta start doing this, taking this shit for for real, yeah. like for like seriously." Yeah. And it wasn't until then that um, until like he moved down to Vancouver, and I already kind of had a community set around me by that time. But he moved down like maybe two years after I did. And I had like, uh, like uh, I was in a community by then. And when we started doing shows and stuff out in Vancouver, it really felt like we were doing shows back home mm -hmm. because like that, those were our people and those still are people today. Yeah. For me, like it was weird. Like after high school, I went to university for a bit and I was in Prince George. It's like Northern Central BC. And it's like, I don't know, maybe 60, 70,000 there. So like I lived there for four years. I moved back home and then I moved back 
not moved back, but I moved to Vancouver for yeah. the music program, right? And uh, <laughs> I grew up watching this movie Big, you know, Big with Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was always fascinated by city lights and all that, right? So I remember like the first time I moved down, it wasn't so much like a culture shock, but it was just like, wow, like I'm finally living here in the city. Then after about like a month, I'm just like, uh, yeah, you know, it's home, it's the yeah. city, so. And then for that move in the city, so you kind of had the community. What is like the, what is this the the community like for First Nation people in Vancouver? Is it is it multi little communities or is it like you guys like, or is it kind of like a res? You like it's a, everyone knows yeah, each other and, exactly. Which it's is a massive good community. and bad at the same time. Yeah. Like at, for things. Yeah. yeah, it's a big community. Like I was actually surprised. Um, I think, to be honest, like the the community that we're a part of, we're a part of like an arts community. So like all of our friends are artists. And it seems like the arts community, not only in Vancouver, but across Canada, is very small. Um, I know everyone, like, at least from, like, Toronto, Ontario to BC, like, that seems like that's our circle now. After, we, like, we started this whole Snotty Nose Res Kids. So Vancouver in itself is a really small community, but it's all of Vancouver, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It just seems like, like all of, like, Western Canada, I guess from, like, Toronto to 2BC is like a very small knit like community yeah. as far as like the arts goes yeah, yeah everyone knows everyone especially social media and stuff like oh, that yeah. out there like, now well, it's, it's everyone like, knows everyone's business yeah separation of like uh, you know six degrees of separation exactly you're like, you're like, yeah yeah so that's like kind of like how Vancouver is too um, or like one of our friends Kim Mortal just had a show last night and the whole community showed up for it mm -hmm. you know stuff like that yeah like they all like uplift each other yeah you know, like there's no crabs in the bucket yeah yeah awesome. totally yeah. So for you guys, what would you think was kind of the, uh, when you guys made the albums, what was like the, the leaping point for you guys to kind of, kind of gain uh, a recognition and following? Or was it already kind of created with that community yeah. thing? And then yeah, everyone exactly. just like, yeah. it's just the come up and everyone's like, it was oh, kind of our, yeah, it was kind of already like building. Like after we made that mixtape that Darren was, that Darren was talking about the Youngin experience, it was actually his project, but I was featured on it. After we made that, we did some shows and stuff like that. Like I said, we, we were doing those open mics and people were turning out to those. And then we did a few shows outside of that. With well, One was with Talking Stick exactly like three years ago from like two weeks ago, like yep. three years ago. And it was like a, like a packed house, but like a very small venue. Mm -hmm. But like all of Vancouver came out. And when we were putting those songs out, like everyone was paying attention to what we were doing. Yeah. So when we made um, Snotty Nose Res Kids, the very first uh, LP that we came out with, uh, we really like got into what we were going through as as people before artists. Like I lost a brother to suicide around that time, and uh, it wasn't until I wrote, until we wrote Snotty Nose Res Kids album and got all that off of our chests and onto wax, and put it out into the world that I finally felt relieved of all that pain that I was going through at those times, and to see the way that our community reacted to that album and the way that they took it is the same way that it felt for me. Um, putting it out to them, it was kind of like a sense of relief. Like I got it off my chest, I got it off out of my head. And then seeing the support that came from the community from what I was going through and them talking about how they're going through the same things and uh, had the same like feelings, same thoughts that I was going through. And then them being able to talk that out, that was really like the turning point to where we were like, yo, we need, we have a message and it's important to our community just as important it is to us for us to get this out. Yeah, it's crazy too. Like when we start going into like other communities, and like they talk about some of their favorite songs, and a lot of them say like it was those songs that we talked about. Like yeah. I was close with his brother too that he lost to suicide, and 
we made a song before that called uh, Off the Ledge, and it's basically just a conversation with the two of us where one is contemplating suicide and the other one's trying to talk him off it, mm -hmm. right? And people come up to us and say, like, the song Black Blood is their favorite song. Yeah. And, like, people, like, the lyrics hit so much, like, we've had a fan that actually, like, tattooed some lyrics, like, mm -hmm. on his forearm, which yeah. is, like, crazy to show, like, not only were we, it was helping us heal and yeah. get over it, it was helping other people heal yeah. and let go. It's like that cliche, but it's real. It's like music is therapy, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. And being able to touch people with it and... It's it's really amazing, right? And I know that like the song you're talking about, it's like it's powerful and it's it's relatable, right? And you can, yeah, which is, uh, yeah, no. Uh, and it's just like it's almost like um, like what we were talking about earlier. Like we looked, we had a lot of people to look up to in like American culture in hip hop, but not a whole lot of people in in indigenous cultures and in in, in our that people that looked like us growing up. Yeah. So when we make this music, and uh, we make music that's like like that you can actually listen to that's yeah. like good and, and like <laughs> yeah. you know it has a message yeah. behind it with people that yeah. look like them they yep. can relate to it yeah which like we never had that growing yeah. up with, with the socials at least yeah yeah because i found too like uh, i have like i have connections to detroit and i have friends there and i think that's one thing is like you know i think people of color can always kind of relate to each other because mm -hmm. there's, there's that level of, like you don't have to you're never worried of like someone questioning like you can explain like oh this is what happened and they just get it right yeah with, like you know white communities are kind of sometimes like oh well that's you know, patronizing right like oh, yeah. well that's not how it is and you're like well uh there's yeah. a community out in west van just that <laughs> that actually they they had a protest and a rally and they were marching the streets with signs because a B-Link bus route went through their community. Yeah. And they said, you guys are bringing these people through our community and it's yeah. dangerous and all this shit. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like, yeah, so I, I see what you're saying. So they didn't like For that. a fucking bus route. <laughs> yeah. Like, so well, it's kind of like that story hell. I told you guys earlier, right? With the, uh, in uh, Ontario, with, like the, the people that are farming uh, um, the wild rice. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Got all these people from Toronto, like <laughs> essentially like, protesting. Mean, just the irony of like, like, wow, my, my property value. I said right, like, they yeah. Came, um, oh man, that's that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bustling. I love seeing that reaction too, because it's yeah, those kind of things. And but for me, it was also like that's another thing too I, I, that we just said is like seeing people that look like you mm -hmm. and being good, like because. There is like there was a history of like oh man I, I used to talk with my uh, our, a friend of ours too is uh, Ryan McMahon and he I I just kind of talk about some artists and I'm like I sometimes think I'm like oh man like are we ever gonna have like hip hop duo like or people that are just you know like good like because sometimes I'll hear guys I'm like ah you know yeah. the flow just isn't there and like mm -hmm. but so for me that's what really like uh, I got put onto and I was like oh these guys are good because you guys. Like you said, you guys have a really amazing gift, and your lyrics are. I love the lyrics of like you know you're you're talking about First Nation issues. There's First Nation themes, but then also part of me is too is like I am First Nation. You know, I wear it. You know, I can't escape it. Right? It's it's I and especially in my role too. I live mm -hmm. it. Right? I'm working with First Nation people. I'm trying to help them go to school. 
but also there's more to me than just that too yeah right? totally and that's what i like too is like how you guys will mix kind of pop culture references or different things into like the the draymond green line right or it's like <laughs> i love that line because it's like some people like they're like oh, i don't it's like it's like you gotta understand you gotta watch ball and see all this to get it like kick it like draymond and like colin was like telling me about that time when he you know he asked you about it and like he doesn't really follow basketball right yeah, yeah. and he he said, you guys put him on to, like, NBA just from that line, right? And explain it, like, well, Draymond kicks someone in the balls. But, yeah. And also, too, it's like, uh, you know, like, Kendrick, like, Dr. Dre taught Kendrick, like, he said, your, your, your voice is your instrument, right? Mm-hmm. In hip-hop, like, you are the instrument. And he kind of taught Kendrick to, like, use his voice as an instrument. Totally. And then when you guys, I was... I was wondering yesterday we were performing live. It's like you guys, the way you guys are able to your voices, like you kind of have like the little bit more higher pitch yeah. one, and it's like, and then you're kind of like a little bit more like a, a growl, like, uh, and but like <laughs> it's like you guys really complement each other well, Ooh. and like yeah, and your flow's there too, and like those are the, so for me it's kind of like oh yeah, there's like there's good, it's like there's <laughs> like we're on the map where someone is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean like that's what the that's the way that uh, the rest of the music industry looks at rap too. Like oh anybody can be a rapper. All you gotta do is have a beat, you know, and then yeah. you can just rap. But no, it takes a lot of practice, hard work. Your mm-hmm. voice is your instrument, yeah. and without being able to put and then without putting that time into to your craft, which is being an MC writer and rapper and like yeah. performing on wax on track, yeah. like you're not you're not gonna be a good rapper. Yeah. So it takes practice, just like it does like learning how to like play an instrument. Yeah. And like finding that, finding that voice, finding that t- that like that sound that you're that you're looking for. It took us like our whole lives to yeah. find our sound. There's like a, an author that kind of has talks about it. it's like the uh, you gotta put your ten thousand hours. Oh, right? definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you guys got the new albums coming out. It's called Res Bangers and what's the? No, 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 we, no. we changed it. Yeah, okay. it was like the original idea was Res Bangers and Cool Pops. It's okay. Oh, it's Trapline. Trapline. Trap yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and you guys kind of. So what is? Uh, what is your process like process too when you're making music like are you guys kind of um what comes first is the beat come first then the lyrics or do you guys I think the, the idea and then the beat or the yeah first and foremost is the idea the idea of what we want to portray on that on that album and then um like the beats come next so like finding the beats and and then after we find the beats or as we're looking for the beats, we find our beats from like internet producers, stuff like that through okay. like BeatStars, YouTube, yeah. whatever like that. And it's a whole process of like, the idea comes first and then as we're looking for beats, we hear a beat and then the message comes through that. So like if Darren's like, we'll be looking for a beat and we'll wake up in the morning and like, it comes, what was that documentary that Lil Wayne had out? where he said like he wakes up in the morning and goes on beat stars or whatever for three hours every morning. Like we took that seriously and we went and like, like every morning we'd get up and we'd listen to like probably like a couple hundred beats yeah. trying to find what really like talks yeah. to us and like the beats that like we like to hear. Yeah. So we find a beat and then, um, and then we start like writing to that beat and if it sounds, if, if it works out, then we go with it. If not, scrap it. Yeah. But definitely the idea, and then beats. We find the beats we want, and then go from there. It's a love hate thing when you look for beats, because like sometimes like so many whack beats. The intro like would sound good, yeah. like oh it's gonna go hard, and then a drop comes and it's just not there. Yeah, it's like fuck. It's like uh, those big buildups too, like for forty seconds to yeah, a minute. Like, it's like oh it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, 
doesn't fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like seriously, like two hours every morning, like yeah. for beats, and we got that, we yeah. got that, like way of thinking through like Lil Wayne documentary that yeah. we watched a while. So you guys back. do write your down your lyrics, or is it like off? Like oh, I I have to write mine down. Yeah, like, I write I, mine too. I yeah. tried to do that for, just like fuck around and practice. Yeah, and like it would start off good, and then I'll lose my direction and just. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's just like, and then it's the way Darren raps too is like he's like kind of like Lil Wayne, like he's like punchline heavy. Yeah. So like when you're like thinking of punchlines, you can often like like your your direction goes one way for yeah. like what your message wants to be. Yeah. But then you just get carried away and your punchline just takes you in another direction. Yeah. yeah. So it definitely. You gotta, it's like it's like even like comedy, right? You yeah. set up everything for the the punchline. Yeah. And it's like a bit. puzzle, right? Yeah. Uh, definitely. And so how how is it working together too? So you guys have the idea. Um, and it's it's collective idea of like so when you're saying all right this is our idea and then how do you guys because you guys like you said voice sound wise lyrically wise you're too different how do you guys work together to make the song then yeah so we we live on like opposite sides of the city but we usually like we find a beat that we like we like yeah. send it to each other yep we almost do that like daily when we're looking for beats. Yo, I found this one, like, I fuck with this one, let me know what you think. Just send beat packs back and yeah, forth. Yeah, and like, once we like to agree to which ones, and then we'll start writing. So, more often than not, like, Q will come to me with an idea. Yo, I got an idea for this one, and like, he'll have a verse or a hook written, or vice versa, I'll come with a verse or a hook. Or we'll written. send demos back and forth. Yeah. yeah. But like, um, for songs like Clash of the Clans, and Northern Lights, that was on the Average Savage. We'll sit down together and literally like spend all night just writing together. So Northern Lights took three full tries. Like we f wrote three songs to that beat, and it wasn't until like the last beat or the last the last try when we we're like, fuck, I don't know if we're gonna be able to get this on the album. The album's coming, the release date's coming up real soon. Uh, we finally got it, and we're like, oh yo, this this is dope. But yeah, like when they're like like kind of like those run the jewels kind of back and forth type flows, like we'll write those together. We'll always be in each other's presence for those. Yeah. Um, so what is like you know the I don't know like what is like the industry out there for like uh, first nation hip hop you know artists is like is there you know because you look at like American like the hip hop in the states is like you know you got it's so there's the infrastructure is built already. Is yeah. there an infrastructure out there? You I was guys? just going to say gonna, yeah. Are you guys part of like I'll, building that right because yeah. like it is kind of like do you take chance like are do you guys take chances on like the diamond and the rust right and bring them up or because there isn't like so i, I kind of look at it too as like my analogy is like spike lee yeah. spike lee is a director he makes black films uh he kind of put you know director black directors on the map right and almost like and he took a lot of chances and he took a lot of hits for it and but he was kind of almost like that that cornerstone to like, you know, there would be no Ryan Coogler or all these other black directors have come like without no Spike Lee, there would be none of them. And what is like that for like music for in terms of First Nation people and hip hop? You, you know that I was just gonna say before you brought up all the Spike Lee stuff, I was gonna say that uh, there's nothing really built for us yet. Like it's like people have done it, but like people have done it in different ways. Like not like that, like where they're putting on only their own people. I see people out there commenting on different like a lot of directors being like, oh, we have so many indigenous directors, we have so many of this out there. But there's not a whole lot of them doing music videos. 
So for us, we tried to make this album where it's like only um, indigenous directors and stuff like that, and we try to work with some, but like they're like, yeah, we, well, I haven't done any music videos before. I can kind of do a documentary style, and we try to make it work, but like we're like, you know what? Let's just go with people that we know that can make the, these videos look great. Because right now we're in a place where like this album's gonna put us on the mainstream map, or it's yeah. not gonna, yeah. and these music videos will really help us put like our our music on on that next level so i don't think there's a whole lot of infrastructure built around like 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 the culture that the, um yeah. that um, america has versus like culture that like we, we have as indigenous people in canada like for for hip-hop it's yeah. not it's there but it's it's only there in our inner circles and you see I'm, we're seeing like a lot of like uh rappers from vancouver blow up right now i like white rappers black rappers rappers that aren't indigenous and they're blown up because they speak to a, a, a body of people that are massive. Yep. There's so many white people in, in, in Canada, there's so many white people <laughs> in, in America and yeah. these guys are like millions of views. Yeah. Whereas us, there's what, a million indigenous people? So like you gotta look at our, the, like who we're speaking to. Like for us to blow up, say we get like 100,000 views on, on, a, on a track, that's, that's massive for us yeah. because there's not that many of us that are listening to our music. Yeah. So we have to like really build it from the ground up to if we want to like get onto that mainstream level and also, oh, yeah no like with that being said i think the world is finally ready yeah for like indigenous mcs and not just like music but like directors you know like Arts. like political parties like i think the world is finally ready yeah. and like that kind of started to happen once like the idol no more movement hit it's that idea of like sovereignty, right? It's mm -hmm. like no one is gonna make it for us, right? Because mm -hmm. why? Like they they don't have any. There's nothing for them to make it for us, right? And I think that's cool. You talk about that arts community because arts is a major influence in everything, right? Mm -hmm. you, you look at film, television, all that, and we don't have you know representation. And I thought of um, kind of using Spike Lee again, but you know he won the Oscars. Uh, he went on Oscar, and it was like his, he finally went on Oscar after 30 years, right? That's crazy. And man. he talked about it, and like, you know, for me, like a person of color, I, 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 I swelled up with pride. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> so this is the second time I'm telling you. I like started to tear up, like when he was saying his, you know, talking about his grandma and how, yeah. you know, she'd save up money, her social security, put him through school. And I started to like cry because I thought of like this is amazing. Like look at all this work he had to put into and like all the people behind him to put it and all the history on the slavery and all that. And he finally got his moment. And then it turned from happiness to sadness because then I thought, man, like we're so far from that still, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, because he's like when he won, he's like he's like the house. And so he's shouting out Morehouse. Morehouse College is a uh, black college in the states. And I think of like we don't even have like we starting to have it, but it's like it doesn't exist yet, really, yeah. right? We don't yeah. have that where, you know, there was a like a little bit of infrastructure so they could slowly build. And so I think for you guys, what you do in, in the art community, it's like you're building something that's gonna like blow up to much bigger things, or it's gonna influence so many other things, right? Um, and like you said, you're working with artists like. Again, hip hop music in the states you have the artists, and then you you, you guys that make music videos, um, and you look at those guys that made music videos back then. Now they're like making films, right? Uh, yeah. Ice Cube's boy, right? He yeah. he's made the one last Fast and the Furious movie, right? And 
Um, for you guys, who are who are some people that you know you work with or that you're going to continue working with, just so they can get some love too, and so people can be aware of some of the artists that you know you guys like working with, or, or guys that are coming up, or people that are coming up that you're just kind of you know stoked that they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. Like my younger cousin's name's Boslin, and uh, he just started making music like like two years ago, and he reached out to us through like our SoundCloud. And then we saw, like, just the potential that he had. And, like, we've kind of supported him ever since. And then a year later, he's, like, a completely different artist, you know. And he's doing good numbers. He knows how to, like, he has a good team behind him with marketing, like, everything. Mm -hmm. And, like, every time, like, he drops something, me and Q are just, like, we just shake our head. But, like, not in a bad way, but just, like, wow. Yeah. Like, that's fucking incredible. Yeah. And uh, we have him on the album. We have, we did a couple songs with him. But it's because, like, when we were that age, like, he's young, too, man. Like, and we didn't kind of, like, have that when we were that age. When we wanted to do music, we had nobody to help kind of, like, talk to. Yeah. About it, you know? Yeah. And so whenever we chill with him or kick it with him or whether he asks, like whenever he asks us questions, like we answer, right? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Answer. And yeah, man, it's, it's dope, man. He's what he's doing. He has, a, he has like his own vibe. Yeah. You know, he does like makes really fucking good R and B tracks and he can rap and sing, which is yeah. like crazy. Yeah. And like just the traction he's getting and he how, f- how fast it's getting. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yeah, for real though, yeah, he's yeah, good. No, it's good. cool though. But yeah, like, that's yeah. the thing is like, it's you guys are important because you, I think you bring validity to indigenous, like hip hop music in general, right? You guys, yeah. like I said, I keep talking about your guys' flow, the way you guys sound, just to, you know the story behind it. Like, we need that. We need someone like that to give. You know, I'll give that even like the younger ones, just like. Oh man, like you said, I can do that. Yeah. Like I can or then you like he's like, I wanna sing on it, like I make some R and B, like a hip hop mix it, right? And that's cool because that's what we need. We need just we just need as much as we can, right? Yeah. yeah. And as far as filmmakers go, like we like I like I said, we have this uh single off of our album that's gonna come out and we wanted to work with uh indigenous filmmakers like Colin Van Loon. We had an idea for our last song on our, our on our up and coming album, Trapline that we were gonna shoot a documentary style film, but we didn't get the funding for it. And another um, filmmaker I really wanna work with goes by the name of Sean Stiller. And I think he's based out of Toronto, Vancouver. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to shoot documentary style as well, because we have so many so many filmmakers out there, but they're all documentary style filmers, right? Storytellers, exactly. And they're really, really, really good at what they do. Um, so we're trying to like work with people like them and do it kind of like their way, but also we want to do music videos our way too. We have a very like high energy type of sound, and this new album is going to show a lot of that. And you'll know what I mean when the new when the new uh, videos drop. The first one's dropping next Thursday. You'll know what I'm talking about when you see those videos, and that's kind of like what we're going for. But there's art, there's artists out there like like Rude Gang Entertainment. They they won uh, a big grant through Tell a Story Hive, and they're going to be putting videos out as well. So there's a lot of like directors and and um, indigenous storytellers through film that are that are up and coming, but 
we just don't have we're not on the same level as them or on the same like we're n- we're not we're not we're not the same type of artist yeah. but we do want to work with them it just it, it'll come eventually you know and we just need you guys to get more fan support and you know more yeah. touring and selling out shows right cuz like a part of that too is like you know money makes the you know you, yeah. you need money to do all these things and you guys like for you guys like you guys just need to build like have the money to be the ability to do that right cuz yeah. i think for you guys you probably want to be self sustained one day where you don't have to worry about grants grants yeah. exactly videos, right? yeah Definitely. and it's it's um yeah no it's uh so i guess another like kind of another question i had for you guys is like how has your you know how has quality of life changed for you guys over the past couple of years since you guys started making the albums and started getting more notoriety um has it been a whirlwind um do you guys find you guys get a lot of support in indian country across canada or north america because i seen you guys were down in uh, cali a couple or last week and stuff like that so what has it kind of been like for you guys in terms of is is there do you notice much change i guess yeah totally yeah yeah? it's it's been wild man since we put out since actually about like maybe about half a year ago uh things started picking up for us and it went from the time that we decided we're going to be full-time musicians to now to really start to see like the benefits and that was like what three years ago d about three years ago we decided like no about two years ago i guess we decided we're going to be full-time musicians And you know that's not a it's not an easy transition to go from like full time work into okay I'm gonna be a musician. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like being a student to be honest. Like we got no income coming in, like not much at least when you're first starting out. You're doing like shows for like a hundred bucks, yeah. stuff like that. So to get through that, we had a lot of support from back home. My brother was constantly sending me wire transfers. His mom's even till today like still sending like wire transfers. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of support from our from our families back home and like our partners like my girlfriend like helped me out a lot in the early stages of us like doing this so it was a collective of of different people coming in together to help us really come through all that that stuff and like shine as artists yeah so we had to get through all that to be able to even be here today and we're just starting to see the benefits from all that like like i'm finally out of debt and like like living proper you know, and like sustaining myself through music, and that took three years of grinding, and without the support back home, that that wouldn't even been possible. Yeah, it's been a journey, man. Like, there's some times where like we may get stressed out about like this music and the album, or like getting skits together, or like mixing and mastering, and like we'll just like stress sometimes. But sometimes I just gotta sit back and remind myself, like, man, this is my job. Yeah. You know, like I'm blessed to do this. Mm-hmm. And to be able to say this is my job, because my girlfriend, for example, gets up at 6.30 every morning to go do her job, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, it's definitely started to change, and it was really the big shift was probably when we got nominated for players. Because, like, before that, we were almost, like, ready to call it. And, like, yeah. We're, like, the next album's a make-or-break yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, and, like, like this one doesn't work. <laughs> we got to get a job, you yeah. know? Like... So, no, man, it's definitely, like, a slow snowball effect. Yeah. yeah. But now that we're, like, getting national attention and stuff like that, it's we're able to, like, like pay our bills on time and, and like, eat regularly. You know, like, we've always been yeah, able to yeah. do that. But, yeah. you know, like, like the saying goes, but like, it, we're it goes eating. But it show, like, the, you know, for when, you know, for First Nation people, it's, like, but it shows that communities, too, right? It's totally. Like you have support of people and, like, mom's still sending money like yeah. it's, you know it's it's just there's that connection to family community um and what you guys are doing is it's it's amazing right it's it's you guys are 
I think going to be cornerstones of what indigenous like, hip hop is in, in the future. Right? They'll talk about like, like who they'll be like, ah, oh, you know, like they're like the Tupac and Biggie or something like that. <laughs> 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 but like, it, it's true. Like, cause you get think like your cousin, he'll be putting on, you know, Native Drake and all that, and it, <laughs> it'll just keep it like a snowball yeah. effect, right? It's, yeah. You need to start, and I, I find it even too with like work I do is like when I first started, you know, we had a you know how many students and since i've been here for five years like we've grown like you know how many times over right but it's just that idea of like you just you gotta just put in the work too and then you and especially when you're working with first nation people it has to be genuine too and that's the thing too yeah. with you guys music it's genuine i think that's yeah. why it speaks to people because if it's real you can feel it like i think native people we've been screwed over so much we, we always have these kind of antennas up and like you know, you're almost too pessimistic a bit. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know. And so you're, but it's kind of like a good gift. You're, you're really aware of like if someone's being real or bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And a lot of in the past too, a lot of our a lot of our native MCs are just trying to fit in. You know, like they're not yeah, being was, themselves. I was like, just yeah. Gonna say that. Yeah, like, they're trying to portray like it's like 2000. What people want to hear? Like 1990 guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was like that was like yeah. 10 years ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> when we would travel like to communities, we would ask like other MCs, like Indigenous MCs, like. Yeah, what the goals are, they're like, oh, like I wanna like just make music that like everybody can enjoy, yeah. and then maybe a project or two later down the road, then say hey, like, hey, I'm native, yeah, you know, and we're yeah. like, man, it's kind of fucked up, like, yeah. we're being tribes right out the gate, like, honestly, we're native, honesty, you know, like, like you have to put it out there, like, cause uh, like for me too, it's like when you're interactive people, and it's just like for me, I, like when I go to high schools and I talk to students, like, I put it out there, I put out my truth out there, cause. Cause they they don't owe anything to me. I'm just some dude that shows up that wants them to come to school, right? And there's like a history of what school has done, um, and so I'm just I'm just brutally honest with them because I want them to know it's real, and I've, that's what the work I've done. I'm starting to see is like these kids they know I'm real, and they 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 know that I love them, and it's like that reciprocal feeling, right? Yeah, and, totally. And it's not like that whole thing of because like, if I'm not being honest and real, like. They're gonna know. Yeah, you can. You can if you if you can spot out who's who's faking it. It's right? like a bullshit filter. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It's a hundred percent a bullshit filter because it's if you're like you're like dog, you can't even be real with me up front. Like what? Like yeah. right away, I'm like, all right, like cool. Like I'll listen to whatever you're gonna talk about, but like to be respectful because yeah. you're gonna be respectful, but and don't I'll, think I'm gonna. To add to that too, like like I'm not saying like the like the natives in the past that are rapping about like dealing drugs and like doing whatever yeah. they were doing at the time wasn't real no, but yeah. it just wasn't relatable to us yeah, yeah. exactly so it, it's like it might have been them yeah. but like it's not relatable to the mass of native people across yeah. turtle island yeah and like the, you know just kind of like people like oh how did drake make it so big i was like because he made music relatable to everyone like you know <laughs> oh like my girl cheated on me and i'm all sad about it and all this like you know it's relatable but for us like you know, the things you guys rap about it's relatable like you know touching on like what happened to your brother and the suicide like that unfortunately is a relatable yeah, thing in totally. our community but you were able to use that pain and use music it was like a therapy mm-hmm. and it's helping other indigenous people like help them through the pain and someone's stories like that's our stories. Those are things we relate to. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, but also you guys making a positive out of it. Yeah, right? that's, that's yeah. what I was just gonna say yeah. is to like take those negatives and make it into a positive. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like like we said, like just just to touch back on our process of writing, because like I was trying to think about like a process of writing trap line, but I should actually talk about the process of writing. It's not even those res kids and and the average savage because those were done just so far away. 
Um, like when we were doing Snotty Nose Res Kids, we wanted to get this stuff off our chest. We wanted to get those those hurt, those pain, all that stuff off our chest. But we also wanted to show the world how our community is very incredible. Like we wanted to show, not just show like people what they think our lives are like, but show them how good our lives are like outside of that, those, the negatives. Mm -hmm. So like we showed them like on my people, how our people uplift us through these things and how we need our community to even survive and how we need our lands to survive because our land is who we are. So yeah, that's kind of like that, yeah. Yeah, like each album was like, was made at very important times in our lives. Yep. You know, and like first one's a healing tool. Second one, we had a much like clearer headspace. And then, yeah, Traps had the whole idea for the average savage. Yeah. And then, I actually remember uh, the very first song we wrote was Savages. And Q sent me the beat. He's, I'm just like, I just gotta know, bro. He's like, yo, trust me. Like, I'll show you when you get here. I'm, yeah. dri I'm driving from Vancouver to the north. And then, hours. Yeah. <laughs> In the springtime, yeah. so it was like still snow and shit. But <laughs> anyway, like, I got there and, like, I'm like, all right, let me see what you got. And he's like, no, no, I gotta show you this first. And, like, he got, like, all these skits from all these cartoons and movies, like Bugs Bunny and. All that There was shit. probably like 20 skits yeah. that we cut down to like four. All fucking displaying like indigenous people as savages. That was the main word Yeah. in all of it. And then, yeah, it just flipped my fucking world upside down. I was like, what the fuck? Like, where are you going with this? Yeah. And then it's like, all right, now this is what I wrote for savages. Mm -hmm. War paint to the sunrise, getting braided up as my paint dries. After you showed me, I was like, I get it. Like fucking scoting you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's like using what they portray us as yeah and the whole like the, yeah the whole the idea is just to shoot back right yeah, yeah, to flip it over and, yeah. Like, oh. and just showing them who we really are through all that bullshit they throw at us yeah. like yeah you want to call us savage well this is what we actually were yeah this is the savage that you've seen this is what we were yeah. and this is what we still are today so it was letting them know through all that crap that they throw at us since we're young kids like watching Disney cartoons and Looney Tunes and stuff like yeah. that growing up, this is what we're actually supposed to be, and we're still here. All right, now, are, do you guys find that your audience, is it is it becoming more diverse, your audience, or is it like, are you starting to get, you yeah. know, a mixture? Slowly but surely. Yeah. Like, Well, the last show we played in Calgary was like, there was probably like a handful of, like even when we were actually in, um, we played a show at Stanford last week, yep. there was probably like, 10 natives and the rest were all white people. Yeah. And then we did a show in Calgary, same thing. Yeah. But like, it, it's it's always like good vibes yeah. when we do shows. Is it weird though, too? A little bit at first? Um, at first it was just like, okay, I don't know what to expect, but then yeah. D can explain the vibe. Yeah. So it's like, whenever it's somebody that, or like a group of people that haven't been to one of our shows and haven't heard us at all, we make sure like our opening songs capture their attention because yeah. 10 times out of 10, people just stand there and kind of like, let me see what you got. Yeah. A couple songs in, they'd be like, oh shit. Yeah, they just want to know what we're talking about. And then or what the people after are about. our opening songs, and then we kind of talk and introduce yeah. ourselves, like, oh, okay, like, yeah. yo, these guys yeah. are dope. It's always like that. Like, it never fucking fails. And yeah, man, it's <laughs> at the more diverse crowds, especially like when it's more non indigenous, Yeah. like, natives will come up to us and be like, yo, bro, like, 
dope set. You killed it. I love Again. you guys. I love what yeah. you're doing. Just kind of like yesterday, I came up yeah. like, oh man, love you guys. And then, <laughs> then there's like the non-indigenous that come up to us. They shake our hands and be like, thank you. They <laughs> 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 needed it. Yeah. It's good though. It's, yeah. it's like we yeah. showed them a whole new fucking yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Thank you. And it was yeah. like we weren't like like Dio always says we like we're preaching our shit, but we're giving them a show at the same time, yeah. and we're letting them know who we are and where we're coming from, and not in a not in a negative way either. Yeah. So and, it's all positive. And I think what it is too, it's kind of like, you know, it's that storytelling aspect because I think that is something that's is missing from a lot of hip hop in mainstream music mm-hmm. now, right? You got, you know, you got the SoundCloud rappers. Like where the production has moved so much, where before artists were always like, you know, I need to be a good lyricist, like, cause like that's my instrument. But now these beats, they come out with some of these crazy beats yeah. where they don't even care about the lyric, like yeah, you know, like, for real. You got like Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. Like it's like <laughs> yeah. this, just repetitive. Sounds. It's, it's just sounds, but like even me, like I'll listen to it cause yeah, it's yeah, catchy. Yeah. Exactly. But at the end of the day, it's like, what was the message behind yeah. it? Gucci flip flops, like that's about it. Like, <laughs> I guess but, I get it. Like, like, I can relate, but like I, but I think people recognize that, right? They'll, they're going, and I think for you guys, I think it is going to be more and more, you know, mainstream population are going to come on to you guys because it's like realness again, kind of shines through. And yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, you guys have the ability to just tell stories. You're able to like well through your lyrics, but also like it's it's. It's everything that's good. Yeah, it's it's about longevity, right? Yeah. Like when you do songs like Gucci Gang, for example, like yeah. that's kind of like a short wave. Yeah. You know, like you're not gonna listen to Gucci Gang ten years from now. Well, even you now, like, yeah. it's been yeah. It's like been you, I brought it up. You guys were like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Like the, like those kind of like SoundCloud rappers stuff like that. It's it's yeah. It's it's a wave, and it's yeah. like people are on it right now. It's almost but they'll fall off it because it'll go down. And it's I like, think like it's the social media effect, right? Too. Yeah. It's just that instant access, or like let's just drop something like real yeah. quick, right? Yeah. And I think that's cool for you guys. Is like it's still building an album, right? Because even artists now they're not even they don't even really work that way anymore, yeah. right? I'll just drop a single here. Just drop a single here. Yeah. Drop a single. Yeah. Here. It's not put in that that work of creating like that. You know those days when you're when you were young, right? You listen to album, start song, finish. Mm-hmm. Again, like, and, it, and it's like, artists used to like build their albums off of that, right? It's like telling a yeah. story, like, oh, I'm gonna hit this point, hit this point, we're gonna yeah. build it. That's how now, we build it too. And then now it's just like, it's so like, hip hop music is like, all right, which is gonna be the single off the album and that's it. You know, and, it, yeah. and you, do not, you don't, there is not work put into those other songs, right? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, the same thing with us too, like, um, like when, when we're, Wait, I forgot what I was going to say there. <laughs> My mind just went blank because you, you carry on something else. Yeah. So, like, when we're b- building an album, um, we understand where hip-hop is going in terms of, like, it's a single. It's, like, the people want to hear singles. People want to hear what's hot right now. So we've caught attention to that, and we're paying attention to all those little trends that are going on in, in the social media world and all that kind of stuff, which is the hip-hop world, I guess. Yeah. And we've we've incorporated that into our own sounds. So like we like, like one of our favorite artists out right now, I like say like Brockhampton and yeah. their sounds that they're putting out are like next level. It's like, yeah. like almost like, like futuristic kind of sounds. So we're like kind of putting that into our music as well, but we're, we have the message behind it. It's not just like a fade. It's not like a, like a fad. Yeah. And it's also like not being so literal about it. And like, 
we've come up with like more clever ways to say something yeah or like whatever message we're talking about and it's you're gonna hear a lot of growth for both of us as artists yeah and like on yeah on this next album there's a lot of hidden messages so like we're, we're still like you said uh res bangers and cool pops that was the name of our album and it was supposed to be a fun album it was supposed to be something that everyone can relate to from all different kind of ethnic backgrounds and that's what trapline is but um the message is way more powerful than what Res Bangers and Cool Pots was ever supposed to be. And on top of that, um, yeah, uh, we kind of just like, we have a lot of hidden messages. Yeah. So if you're indigenous, you'll understand it. And if you're not indigenous, you will understand it. You know what I mean? Okay, that's cool. So what made that change though from like making the, the for Res Bangers Cool Pops to Trapline? Was it, was just, there like? Just the amount of time it took to put it out. Like, Res Bangers and Cool Pops was supposed to be before festival season last year. And um, we got together with, the, like, a record label at the time. We're not in that record label anymore. We just got out of it. But they wanted us to put it out later and uh, market it properly, which we still have done. And the amount of time that it took from the time we finished Res Bangers and Cool Pops until right now, it's going to come out in April, was just so much time for us to really reflect on that album and what we wanted it to be that we were like we wanted it to be bigger than just yeah. we, the time passed for it to release so did you scrap the entire album then uh we scrapped most of it and yeah. we took some songs from it that we had written yeah. back then so it was just like the time that we had to reflect on it and the time period that we had we were supposed to release it it didn't line up yeah so we just thought okay let's just go with something else let's just make this bigger than it was supposed yeah. to be and like Definitely, like, some of the studio sessions that we had, too, that was kind of, like, the turning point for Trapline. Uh, we recorded this out in Toronto, out in Sandbox Studios with this engineer named KR, KR Moore. And, like, he just kind of helped us take our sound and, like, just our skill to the next level. Like, we've worked with engineers before, but most of them are kind of just, like, Hit record. He was more stuff. of a executive producer yeah. type deal. Like we'd have a line to go, like say it like this. I'm like oh shit, okay. And like man, those sessions are like magical. And like when it comes to the albums, and I listen to the final product, you're like happy. Uh, definitely happy. And like it takes me back to those studio sessions. Like I remember fucking recording this. Like every time I I listen to our own stuff. Yeah. It's like man, I remember the studio session. That was dope. And did you guys say you, you felt like you grew during oh, the definitely. He's sessions? Like, he was like a like the Phil Jackson to us. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. definitely like get in your head a little showed bit. Showed us the like, triangle yeah, and yeah, it was yeah, game yeah. over. You yeah. know, like was there was there pushback though at first when you guys were doing it or were you just guys kinda like just open like We knew what right. we were getting into. Like yeah. we were working with uh, a group called the Sorority out of Toronto. Do you know who they are? No. They're an all all female act. There's a group of three of them and they are beasts on the mm. mic. They're like insane. But um, our manager is their manager, so uh, we got connected to KR through them, yeah. and we knew what we were getting ourselves into. We knew the kind of person he was, and we were excited to work with him from the time we heard about him. Yeah, and with the sorority, man, like they're so fucking talented. Like they're not just like some of the best female MCs, but MCs. Period. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and we're so fucking happy and blessed that they were down to be a part of our album. Yeah. Like you said, that that art community, right? You guys are totally, yeah. Um, so kind of like we're gonna be kind of wrapping up, but like, uh, what are besides music, what are other kind of pursuits or passions you guys got going for you? And it's gonna kind of allude to like you guys are kind of the you know, 
publicly impose brand ambassadors to like Section 35. Like, and you guys have a cool look about yourselves. Like when yesterday when we were at the event, you guys walked in and like, like oh, it was like you know like how would I explain it? Uh, so I have a friend. His name's Logan Stotts. And he's been oh, to yeah, college yeah. and he was on the the show right the the launch. But I remember when he used to come. We used to bring him in before he you know when he was just like he used to go around like at these booths and be like oh i'm an artist i just like you know one performer i was like this dude's so talented i'm just gonna get him here and i used to tell him like you're gonna hit it man because like not only do you have the talent but you got the look too yeah yeah, yeah. and so it's kind of the same thing for you guys like you guys have the talent you can see it but you also have the look too and i think that is like that kind of package deal like yeah you know Totally, like um, especially with like social media and having so many uh, people looking at you all the time. Like uh, we worked at a sandbox, and the owner of the sandbox actually told us like exactly what you just said. She's like, "You guys have the sound. There's a lot of native MCs that I know that are really, really good, but you guys have the look, and you guys have the whole package deal, and people are ready for that." Yeah. They thought we were R&B singers, friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, no, man, we're in a boy band. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool. And, like, it's like a, it that comes with, like, hip-hop music. It's, like, that swagger, right? Yeah. Like, hip-hop has influenced style like like no other, right? In mainstream style. Yeah. Right? You got these. And I even, like, for me, I, like, growing up, like, I was, like, a, it's kind of hard to say right now because he's a little crazy, but, like, Kanye, man. Like, Kanye was, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, would be, like, I remember College Dropout came out. Oh, my and, like, God. I was like, and I was, I was small town, so no one listened to like that was the thing. I was like, a border kid, influenced by like hip hop and everything. But I was like from a small hick town where it was like this bump country music, yeah. and, like classic rock. And then I would be on the school bus listening to Kanye West, and people would be like, clowning me like, what are you listening to? Like Kanye West, and then like you know like, guy wears purple, I mean pink polos, you know. But like he influenced me so much in terms of my style and everything too. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, and I think that's it's the it's a look, right? It's Kanye cool look. influenced everyone, though. Yeah, yeah. 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 His like, sound, his image. And it's kind of sad he's gotten a little crazy, but yeah. like it's like to me, like my like like hip hop god is like Kanye. Me too. Because yeah. it's like yeah, that that Jay Z and uh, Watch the Throne, like that was probably my favorite album. Did you did you see it live? I did. I did. I seen so it live. So you were in you were at the thirteen songs at the 13 end. 13 songs in a row. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. Watch, yeah, it was I mean, insane. my... my uh, I was I, front row. I touched Kanye's and Jay-Z's hand. Yeah. And um, my brother was right beside me when I flew out to Vancouver for this. Yeah. And Jay-Z rapped a whole verse into my brother's phone. Like, yeah. Because we were going so ham. Yeah. Like, I knew all the lyrics, everything. Yeah. And Jay-Z, like, looked down <laughs> and rapped a whole verse into yeah. my brother's camera phone. Yeah. I'm getting so giddy right now. It was like, insane. Like, I'm thinking because me and my boy went to go to the Detroit show. And that's like we talked, we heard like they did this many times, this many times. And so what everyone doesn't know, there's a song that they came out with. Uh, I don't even know how would I say it. Like it's uh, Blank in Paris. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. Um, and so that was their encore song. And they would just kind of be like repeat it. And then yeah. again, again. And like everyone like, and so they're like, so they play the same song over and over again. It's like. Yeah, but you don't understand. Like, you had to be there because you had to be. It was like electrifying. Oh, it was yeah. like, again. Because everyone like, knows lyrics, too. Yeah. And, and so they, at the, the Detroit show, they, at that point in time, it was their most, because they went to Chicago the next night, and that's when they, they did it way longer. Um, 
but they did it like seven or eight times in the Detroit show. Yeah, Vancouver and they did it a lot. It was the last show. I I think it was like thirteen yeah. if I because I remember like I seen Vancouver. I was like, how many times are they gonna do it? And like you know, it was kind of like the days when social media was like it was get, becoming bigger, but it wasn't what it was now. Yeah. And like you'd have to look on YouTube like how many times was it played? And like you seen like the thirteen times. But yeah, for me it's like it's that love of like uh, yeah that album. Yeah. Watch the throne is like. I was I was front row right on the side stage yeah. and um, it was it at uh, Rogers Center at the time yep. and it was like way back against the boards there was a group of girls sitting there and when I was walking out me and my brother were like just so proud they eh? yeah. walking back and then like jumped over the the boards or whatever yeah. and then those girls were like yo you guys were going hard as hell yeah. I was yeah. like you guys and they seen us that far yeah, away yeah. like and it's a big group of people yeah, at the front yeah. stage and they and me and my brother st stood out to them yeah. from how hard we were going to yeah, that yeah. that show but those are like two of my favorite artists though yeah. so i'm not trying to like one up you or anything but like <laughs> 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 here it goes bro uh, so the section we were like i was I, I didn't get to be that close but the section we were the row like you know i think people were just like they just left like they just like ah, i don't really want to stay for this so we what? had the whole row empty so it was just me and my boy and we went ham like that whole like go like like just go yeah. like that the whole time but like back and forth and stuff and like people were getting like hype for us and so like yeah i just it was, that was yeah like, that, people like what like uh, if they asked me the question of like what's like your biggest like memory of like concert be like watch the film it's like still oh, yeah. to this day the greatest concert yeah. i've ever seen Oh, just just a top top, not yeah. top, top, <laughs> top but, but good kid mad city in pemberton uh kendrick came out to the first show back in pemberton which yeah. is like a massive music festival i seen outcast there i seen j cole there yeah. i seen kendrick there i seen yeah like insane amount of talent at that mm -hmm. festival but at the kendrick show is my first festival ever first set i've ever seen at a festival and um <laughs> and yeah, so yo, I had people around me, dude, and I, I forget what song it was, but um, I, I was chanting the lyrics around, and like there was probably like probably like like a mosh pit around me, like yeah. like it was like a circle, but like no one was in it. I was just yeah. in the middle, and I chant lyric, and then everyone chanted back, and then I was like on the big screen, yeah. and they were like recording me doing this shit. Yeah. And I was like, yo, like, that was like, right. everyone's like, yo, I seen you on the big screen, yeah. man. <laughs> but yeah, like, I had, like, yeah. a whole bunch of people around me just yeah. doing it. Like, it yeah. felt like it was my show at yeah. that moment, man. But, all right. I remember um, when he did the Life of Pablo tour, and he stopped in Vancouver. Like, my cousin called me up. He's like, yo, bro, like, it's like 8.30. So, yo, bro, like, want to go see Kanye? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to go see Kanye. Yeah. Because, like, me and him originally, when he did the... Yeezus tour in 2013. Yep. He got to Vancouver, then he canceled it, right? Yeah. So I was kind of still holding a grudge against Kanye. Yeah. For then, then that tour came. Yo, you want to go Kanye? Yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to go to Kanye. Yeah. So we get we got lucky. We got like like scalpers tickets, like yeah. probably like around nine. Yeah. So like we get there, get to we had this, we had some like good seats. Like if you're in the hockey arena, it's like right by the boards. Yep. Yeah. And that tour, he had like the floating stage. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. And. We got there, and, like, two minutes after we get to our seats, like, the show starts. Yeah. And then, like, that was, like, my first show that I knew every song to. Yeah. And, like, I remember at one point, I just start singing, and, like, this random dude next to me, we start singing yeah. together. We put our arms around <laughs> each other. <laughs> everything, man. My cousin Harry yeah. just kind of sitting there. Yeah. Driving, I'm just going Real fucking hell. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, that was probably yeah. like one of my favorite concerts today. Uh, and that was the Pablo? Yeah. Yeah. I went to the, the Jesus one tour. Like not to, and that's the thing, crazy thing people forget. Kendrick opened for that tour. Yeah, and Kendrick's probably the big reason why we bought tickets for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but this is kind of full, like you know, karma or whatever. So uh, Kanye was doing two tours. I mean, two shows in Detroit. He was doing one at Joe Louis, which is the old hockey arena, and then one at Palace. So me and my boy were like, we're not going to Joe Louis one because like. This just sucks seeing concerts there because it's like the seats are so tight and all that. Yeah. So we'll wait for the uh, the one when he comes back a month later. So we had the tickets for that, and that was like tour when he, he kind of went off the rails. Yeah. And so we didn't get to go. See, they canceled the the show oh, we went to. But yeah, Kanye yeah. is like the dude. Yeah. Um, last kind of like my story of like not <laughs> like we were like one up in each other, but a cool another probably my favorite second concert was. Uh, Jay-Z and Eminem did the Home and Home tour. So they did two shows in Detroit and two shows in New York. So I went, I got, and it was literally, um, I like my one friend, and I came home from school and I hit up my one friend. It was just the day of, and I was like, I told her, I was like, yo, do you want to go to this concert? She's like, yeah. I was like, I'll just buy, like, I'll just get scalp tickets right now. And like, but it was StubHub, so it was still, we went there. And like, Watch the Throne is still number one, but this is like a close second. And like that, that excitement, that, that electricity. Um, so, uh, who they'll bring out? So, Eminem, or I'm trying to think. So, Jay Z brought out Memphis Bleak, like he always does. Yeah. Young Jeezy. Um, and I think those are the only two he brought out. Then Eminem brought out 50 Cent. Um, and BLB opened that because they had Eminem and yeah, BLB yeah, had that uh, single. Yeah. Um, but the one was like, Eminem's like, because you know when it was gonna be there, and he was like, uh, what song is it? It's like Dr. Dre's day. He's locked in my basement. What song is that one? Dr. Dre's day. Yeah, Shady. Yeah, he's like, he's like, where's Dre? He's like, Dr. Dre's dead. He's locked in my basement. Lights went off, and it's like you hear, it's like do do, do do, do do, and it's like, and it's not like a heartbeat. It's like the hydraulic like. <laughs> and then it's like everyone's like oh what's happening what's <laughs> happening and then next thing you like you see like these spotlights go on the center and like smokes there and then you just see an image coming up and it's Dr. Dre and then they perform Eminem and Dr. Dre performed like three songs and it was like Jesus. it was in, and the thing it was an outdoor uh, concert so if there was like a roof it just would have been blown off at that moment crazy yeah that's um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to picture it right now, bro. Damn. Have you ever seen Childish Gambino perform? Yes. Well, what was it? His last tour? Uh, no, it was. I seen Childish Gambino when it was um, Campfire. Oh shit! A while yeah. ago. So uh, I I was been on to like Childish Gambino for a while, but I seen yeah. Campfire. Probably my favorite show. Like, and it's not even like. Yeah, like, that was probably, like, one of my favorite shows of all time. And, like, his, the amount of talent that guy has is next level. Yeah. Me and Darren actually, like, uh, we were, I forget where we were getting back from. He never came with me. But our DJ was hit up from Charles Gambino's stage or, or from his tour manager. Mm-hmm. And we, we were given guest, guest tickets. So we got six tickets right beside the stage to see him and Ray Schremert. Yeah. And those two, that duo is, like, man, like, I never th- knew what to expect but those are probably two of my favorite performers now yeah and they were opening for Childish Gambino I, I seen those two they opened for the weekend 
and oh, I wanted yeah, to see yeah. it. And like, I was kind of same thing. I was like, Randy Schmidt. And after that concert, I was like, I love these guys. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, yeah. He, one of them. I think it was. I think it was Sway. He like, he was running around on the yeah. hockey boards and like singing and stuff. And he had yeah. like mobs of people around him. And then he went and jumped up to the speakers and then yeah. he was running across, rapping. And he falls through and like cracks his ribs on a oh speaker, rolls off, and then <laughs> I think his cousin started rapping, and then he runs and jumps up on the stage, does like a flip, lands on his back, and then runs on his feet and starts rapping again. I was like, what? Yeah. But they're also like this tall, so yeah, it's they're like, like they're real little. <laughs> <laughs> if that was me, I would have been done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's kind of it. Like, I think we kind of hit everything. I just like thanks for coming in. Like, yeah, we really man. appreciate it. Um, just like you know, tell everyone to, where to find you guys. You know, anything inf- information people may need to know. Yeah, uh, we got a trap. Or sorry, we got a new album coming out. It's called Trapline. It's coming out in April. Uh, or what? Me. Oh yeah, May, May. My <laughs> bad. No, singles yeah. coming out in April. Okay. So yeah, um, new new single coming out next Thursday. So uh, March twenty second. I thought it was twenty first. Anyways, new single coming out next Thursday, and then another single following that next the following month. Yeah. And then album coming out in May, so along with the tour, we're doing yeah. a North American slash European tour. Yeah. Are you guys coming come to London? Uh, it's not in the it's not in the in the tour schedule yet but we'll see how the turnout is yeah. tomorrow and when, night and when's that tour like when does it run uh it's may through june, may through june. and that's part one so like yeah. we still have filler spots and stuff like yeah. that then we'll do a part two later on okay. yeah. all the social media is signing those res kids yeah so not hard to miss okay <laughs> awesome thanks guys i appreciate it. one last question would you guys want to come back do a performance here at fanshaw yeah hell yeah oh, funshaw funshaw all, right. all the way baby <laughs> bring funshaw right. back <laughs> 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 All right, thanks, boys. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks Thank for having us.